Hey guys, welcome to the last episode of season one. So this is our 12th episode. This is the last episode we're recording for season one. We're finishing up at the end of 2020. Uh, and we are looking at getting ready to start recording for season two, um, which we're hoping will get started somewhere maybe around February of next year. So that's super exciting. Um, this has been a really fun adventure project for me. This has mostly been something that I really wanted to do as a contribution to people, to, to the helping profession, to helping professionals um, in order to showcase helpers that are really creating something new and different and exciting for themselves and thinking outside the box and finding a lot of fulfillment in what they're doing, be it creatively or in their lifestyle or financially or um, with their personal mission, um, you know, or whatever it is that, that they were aspiring to, um, to, to be able to showcase that. We, we don't often turn the lens around on ourselves most of the time we're looking at the people we're serving and we're thinking about what's best for them. And this was an opportunity to really think about what is best for us. And I want to continue that in season two. So if you have a story that's interesting, um, where you have thought outside the box and done something for yourself to take, um, excellent care of yourself while remaining a helper, whatever that means for you. We've got all sorts of different helpers that we've had on for season one. Um, don't hesitate to get in touch with me. It's Dana at DanaBellatier.com. Um, send me an email and we can talk and maybe you would be a great fit for the show. I'd love to hear from you. Um, this episode, I'm talking again with Liam since people enjoyed him so much on episode one. So we're finishing up again. We're going to just kind of reflect on the season and talk a little bit more broadly about what it is that I'm invested in and what I do for helpers because there's been um, some questions about exactly what that looks like. So we fleshed that out a little bit um, and I can stand on my soapbox a little bit more around finances for helping professionals. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Dana. Here we are at episode 12 of Help for the Helpers. Uh, season one. It's we're, We've done a, a whole season, Dana. Like uh, I say we. You've done most of the season, and I've just sort of cobbled it together with what few skills I have. Uh, but this is the, the last episode of this season. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I guess the place to start, Dana, is how do you feel after a season, your first season of your first podcast? <laughs> I really enjoy the enthusiasm you're using. When I'm trying to bring it. This is my, <laughs> I'm doing my radio thing. Yeah, that's, that's apparent. Um, <laughs> well, first, Liam, I am super grateful to you for all the work you did this season because I don't know how to do this and you did a really great job. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, as you can say. I say appreciate it. you as well. There you go. Yeah, we appreciate each other. <laughs> I like how you're, you're like, I'm waiting for you to respond in an appropriate way. <laughs> also appreciate me. Um, yeah. No, I feel, uh, I really loved recording this season. This was, I was just talking with a couple of friends about this. And I think that um, one thing 
that happened was that I feel like I got stronger in interviewing over the season. Sure. You might disagree. I don't know. But I feel like I did. Um, and that was really helpful. And I got to just talk to really people that I really wanted to know and, and have listen to their stories. And people, I got to reach out and become, you know, acquainted with people I really wanted to know. Um, and that was super exciting, too. So I'm, I'm really happy about the first season. I'm excited to see what goes on next. What so you had on a, a curated group of guests, people that you knew had mm-hmm. stories that were interesting and worth hearing about. What were yeah. some of the interesting highlights for you? Things that people said that maybe they didn't surprise you, but were sort of like the meat, you know, the 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 choice moments for you of of uh, your conversations. So I think the thing that that was the thread. <clears throat> that kept coming up throughout the season was I was just continually pleased and surprised by the audacity of the people that are in this field um, to th- this kind of like very sort of brave, courageous um, ability to take steps outside of what we're told we can do and just decide to do things differently, even if that idea came out of nowhere except for their own heads and and take the steps to do it. There was so much good. There was, there's a lot of courage that I feel like is encapsulated in the different episodes, whether it's people talking about um, the steps that they made so that they could figure out their money um, or just like, hey, I'm going to just go live in a van because that's what I want to do. And I have to figure out how to make my career work for that. But I'm just going to do it or like. I'm brand new to the field and I still feel like I have stuff that's of value. So I'm going to choose to value it, even though the status quo says that there is no value to me until I'm, you know, 20 years in. Like, I I think that those kinds of attitudes and the choice to be able to say I'm worth a thing or I'm going to do a thing regardless of what everyone, everybody else is doing or everybody else is saying is really exciting. And that's what I want to keep putting out there because I think people in this field and probably like lots of fields, but especially this one, um, need to hear that in order to inspire what they want to do. Was there anything that you thought of later that you didn't get a chance to ask? Like when you finished an interview and you felt really good about it, was there something that occurred to you later? Like, I wish I brought this up or I wish I'd asked more about this. I mean, besides like, hey, you guys should probably, can we like hang out and you guys should all be my friends? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Which is which is uh, what I am secretly wanting from all of the people that I interviewed. Um, let me see what what do I wish that I had asked more about? I don't know. I think I think the pain points are really important. Like I, yeah, maybe just talking more about because I get so excited about like what's working for people and what they've been able to pull off, and and so I want to hear all about that. But I think there's no you know, small amount of hard that goes into to doing all to, to making out of the box choices and to taking leaps of faith and to reconstructing your life and all, all of these things. And I, I think that that hearing more about the pain of that and the hard and not even just how people work through it, but just what that experience is like is also a really important facet that maybe needs a little bit more attention because um, that's sure. what keeps us all so stuck and afraid, right? 
Well, and that is a lot of what we covered on that first episode, like your experience, right? Um, and, and I'm wondering, in what ways did you find your experience resonating with the people that you talked to? Like, was there big differences? Were there similarities? Were there things there that, like, kind of resonated for you on a personal level more than as a host of a podcast? I mean, I think the the piece that I always connect with is when people create create like an actual tangible plan for themselves where they, because I'm like so type A and I'm very like, I I need to be prepared in order to feel like I can exist in the world without exploding into anxiety and fear. So for the people that come in and are like, and so then here's the plan, like Tiffany McLean, right? Like, so I, she came in with this whole like, ideas about money and she made she made all these observations about what wasn't happening and she's like so here's my plan here's what I'm going to do and I'm like yes I respond to a plan um so the guests that like really created a plan for themselves I feel like those were the people where I'm like yes I feel you like let's make plans together for everyone um but then there's also you know there's a whole set of people that were just kind of like I don't know I'm feeling my way through it and we're just gonna see what happens next and and that's uh, equally as valid and, and cool to hear about, though way, way more unsettling for someone like me, because I that just scares me to death. But that's Oh, awesome. those are those are all the people I resonated with, the people of who are still figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you gotten any particular feedback about the show, either from listeners or people who are guests or, you know, anything? Has, have you heard from anyone about the show? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the feedback, I, well, I have gotten feedback that my interviewing is getting better, so I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I love that people have cool. said it's getting better specifically. They want you to know it wasn't where it should be in the first place, but it's well, getting like, better. I don't know how to do this. Who would have oh, been Oh, I like, know. Oh, it's all new to you. Totally. Here's your interviewing skills, Dana. Like, I don't know. I'm just making it up. So that is cool. I appreciate that a lot. Um, and as far as other feedback... Um, it seems like people that people seem to really like and respond to the um, that there's not like this. This podcast sort of encompasses a number of things, right? Like I like to talk about, or I get very excited about what I did for myself in terms of money because that's that's what I did, so that's what I know about. But I, this this podcast has created room in terms of. Um, this larger piece of what it means to be an authentic and like self-actualized helper. And so, um, it incorporating the creative elements that are really important or the lifestyle choices that are really important or like really responding to, you know, like the, um, the episode with Nicole Bixler, where she's like this really awesome, radical, self-made helper, like people that are just going out on a limb for what they believe in. All of those things I feel like tie together in this really interesting way where it's it's this broader topic of what it means to do this in a way that is as fulfilling as we want it to be. And um, I seem, uh, people seem to appreciate that, that it can be interesting in a number of ways and can like expand. Like that's, that's not just helpers. Lots of, lots of people are interested in hearing about how to do that for themselves, whether you're a helping professional or not. Yeah. I mean, the feedback's been good. I mean, I don't think my friends and my guests are going to tell me mean stuff about my podcast. <laughs> I, well, you never know, Dana. You never know. Um, <laughs> let me just tell you as a, as a six year podcaster, you, you get some interesting feedback from friends actually.
we can pull back the curtain a little bit for people in that a lot of the content for this show was made, was created before the show even premiered, you know? So there's a little bit mm-hmm. of a, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, seeing how people respond as time goes on. And what I found is, you know, uh, for those of you who maybe just found the show and didn't see the promotion for it, as the show was getting ready to launch, we did a lot of pushing of your website. We did a lot of pushing of the trailers that you made for the show. And the the feedback we got to that stuff was very positive, especially for Cinepunks. You know, we haven't done something we well I guess we have done at least one thing but this is one of the first things we've done that's a little more serious that isn't just about something fun or responding to media that it's like about a topic that kind of matters and we got some feedback about that but we also got feedback on your website because um, a, a number of people looked at your website and they looked at the things that you were offering to help folks with and their immediate response was is this person going to rip me off um, and and I thought that was really interesting because I, I know you, so I know that when on your website you're offering to help people deal with their finances, with their uh, debts, with uh, the various things that keep them from being the helper they want to be, I take that seriously because I know Dana. But if I read it right without knowing you, I kind of get why people were a little, you know, they weren't accusatory. They just were like curious, like, what's going on with this? Because usually if anyone offers to help you on the Internet, it's because they want to hurt you in some way. And so, uh, you know, I I thought this would be uh, I think we both thought actually this would be a good opportunity to talk through some of that. Dana, are you looking to take people's Social Security numbers and ruin their (laughs) lives? That's what's really going on here. That's my number one goal, Liam. That's, That's what I'm doing. Um. No, that feedback is hilarious, though, and actually really, really, really helpful because then I can go take a look at my website and see what I need to do and be like, okay, actually um, not trying to scam anybody out of anything. Um, I get it. I don't know. Like, you know, you and I have talked about the marketing of the actual like work that I'm doing as a support person or as a coach is so weird for me because that is not my wheelhouse at all. Like I am a therapist so I'm, a, you know, most of what I do is like not selling things, sell myself or yeah, right, right, right. So that's, um, that's weird. So that's going to be a learning curve for sure. But I think not only that though, Dana, like talk a little bit about how this perception plays into what you're doing, because my attitude towards it was not to think that you were going to hurt someone, but I do think that I have also skepticism when you say, I am going to help you get your stuff together because my automatic response is that's not a thing anyone can do. Liam, I want to help you get your stuff together. Let I me know help you do. You. Help me help you. <laughs> but, I but want you that... to do it specifically. <laughs> stop, stop. But isn't True. that part of the, isn't that part of the point of like you doing this thing is realizing how many helpers just assume they're going to die in debt and unhappy and unfulfilled. No. So that was, that's the, one of the major driving forces. Right. And I touched on this in our first episode is that when I came to the place where I was like, I need to do a thing and I need to make a plan for myself and it needs to be actionable, like a real thing that I can do from start to finish or else I'm going to totally go under with this whole thing. And then I started looking for resources. I found a lot of really good stuff, but nothing nothing specific to people like 
me. Like I, you know, it's all like finance people, business people, like you're going to make millions of dollars and like all, and like that wasn't where I was coming from. I was like, no, I'd rather just like not die in a hole, please. So it was just a different, um, it's a different kind of attitude. And I completely understand why people would be, I guess, confused or, um, afraid of being taken advantage of or whatever the case is. Um, because it's not like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird idea. It's not, it's, yeah. it's a weird idea. It's not a thing. It's not a thing that we do. <laughs> well, let's, let's so. walk through this. Let's walk through this process a little bit so that it's kind okay. of a little demystified. Cause I think again, you know, you're in this weird situation where you want people to, pay you to help them but you have to in some ways let people know that it's a real thing that you know takes effort because if not they're going to think it's like a fake thing in which you don't actually help anyone so um how do you start with someone like you know uh they're they're come to you they are out here helping folks they're not making enough money they've got two master's degrees so they're probably in debt up to their eyeballs and they really want to figure out like how do i move forward right 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 yeah. So, okay. So the first, and this is all like very individualized too. So sure, it's not just like, you know, these are what everybody does through the, through the thing, but generally speaking, the first thing, so Liam, if this was you, for instance. Oh God. Yeah. I'm not helping anyone, but sure. Yeah. Let's say that. You are very helpful. You help You're helping me go on anyway. <laughs> um, so the first piece is you have to have a really clear idea of why you are doing this, because if you're going to do this from start to finish, you have to be motivated to do it. So, right. So my, my motivational elements, um, were that if I didn't do this, I was not going to be able to have the career that I really wanted, which was huge for me. Cause I had like spent 20 years working on it. So that was huge. And I was going to just have continuing building debt for the rest of my life. (laughs) So those were like two very, very, very motivating factors um, for me to to try to get started, to to start hitting, you know, knocking this out. So for you, Liam, if I were to be like, Liam, why Mm. would you want to pay off all of your students' debts or even like all of your debts, period? Do you have a motivating factor behind that? I mean, just to not be in debt. I don't know. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I don't know. Well, I, I do, I, I do think that in some way knowing the motivation is helpful, right? Because, um, it's worth knowing why you're doing whatever it is that you're trying to figure out how to do in a way that sustains you, right? right. Instead of just, working on wall street or whatever your personal equivalent is. You know what I mean? Like there has to be a reason that you're in the debt in the first place. There has to be a reason while you're working a job that pays 28 grand a year or whatever Mm -hmm. bull bullshit you're getting paid. There has to be something pushing you to do those things. You didn't just decide to do those because you're like, bored. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) especially because there are folks out here who could be making more, you know, uh, at UPS in some cases, you know, they like mm-hmm. they're, 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 all of us have made decisions about our lives for a particular reason. So I think knowing that helps as you're moving forward as well, right? Like it, it, if you know, this is what matters to you, mm-hmm. then it's easier to know, well, then how do I connect to that thing while still actually being able to like cover my expenses? That's right. 
Yeah. And, and for a lot of the people that I talk to about this, the people that I am coaching through it, most of them are therapists and their number one why is I want to have a, like a, the practice I want to have where I'm doing my specific type of treatment modality with the specific people I want to. And I can't because I'm stuck working in this nonprofit for the next eight years and that's limiting everything I'm doing. So they want right. to get started right away to, to do this like the dream that they have and they're finding that this they're highly limited by public service loan forgiveness which all of them are all the people I have worked with in this capacity are on um, and wanting to get off of that to just start creating their real thing so that's talk huge. A, can you talk a little bit more about that because a I'm not sure everybody knows what that is but also B for the people who do know about it they probably assume it's what they need like it, it feels like when you're on it that there's no other option for you I know, because that's how I felt on it, too. Yeah, I'm, I, I think it's just a foregone conclusion for a lot of people that go to school and leave with giant amounts of debt, is you just assume this is part of what your plan is going to be, is this 10-year plan. Um, and that's, you're, you're not, you, have you ever been on public service loan forgiveness, Liam? Oh, no, because I'm on, um, you don't make enough money to pay your actual loan, so right, but you, you pay a small chunk of it. You're doing income-based repayment, so that's that's part right. of PSLF, too, is they'll, they'll, like, take it, so they'll be like, okay, you're... You're making this much, so you're lo- you're going to pay a smaller amount per month, and then at the end of the year, like the interest um, can just accumulate, but it doesn't matter because it's going to be forgiven anyway, right? Quote unquote. That's what the idea is. Sure, so. but I don't. I don't. I'm not on the forget. Uh, the only service I ever did that would have qualified was for faith based organizations, and mm-hmm. they don't qualify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So if if I had done the same work I was doing for a not uh, church, then yeah, I could have joined it. But when I was at Broad Street, they, I couldn't get on the on the program. Right, 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 right. So your motivating factor might be, okay, if I continue to do this, ostensibly, I'll be paying off loans for the rest of my natural life. Right. I mean, I definitely, <laughs> uh, as, uh, as of right, as of right now, there really is no option for me. There you go. There you, but that's not true. It's just all right. Yes. All right. All right. Believe me, Liam. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so assuming that, and we know that's what, so that's maybe what your why is. I don't want to be paying off loans for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to get them out of my way so I can use that money for other things and not have to think about it. Right. So then we think about the reality of your debt versus your income and adjusting that as needed. So when I started doing this, I was making under 50 K and my loans, um, well, my loans were 121,000 for my student loans and my total debt was 150 and I paid off the whole thing. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to get out of $150,000 in debt, there's uh, there's no feasible way to do that. The math doesn't work even though I'm bad at math, but the math doesn't work with making, you know, $47,000 a year. So, I'm going to need to figure out how to make a whole lot more so I can be throwing a ton more money at this. And there wasn't some well, this is important for us to cover in it. There wasn't some other source you didn't get like a chunk of money from a dead uncle or anything like that. Like when you tell people like I paid off my loans, that's what people assume because so many of us just assume we're never going to pay them off. We're just going to die and they're just going to be there. (laughs) So like, I'm not even just talking about myself here. I know a (laughs) ton of people who feel that way, who really think like, 
that's it. Like it's never going to happen for me. You know what I mean? So, so I think get, you know, I don't want to expose your whole life here, but you know, get specific. Like you worked to pay those things off. That didn't come from some family money or something. No, 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 no. So there was me and I was married at the time and, uh, my husband's income. Right. So I think when we started, I, I, I mean, he was making, uh, not as much as I was making, um, and so his income also contributed and then my income. And so the first thing that I knew I had to do, and I did it almost immediately, was transition out of that job into a job where I could make more money that was not eligible for public service loan forgiveness. So that's where I had to jump the ship and be like, I'm going to go for me. I chose to join a group practice, but the group practice allowed me to make more like 80K a year, which was sure. massive because then, you know, as, as long as I had my budgeting in order, that's basically like $33,000 more that I could just put towards my student loans. So that's huge. I don't know where to go from here. Well, Liam, no, it's cool. I mean, so like looking at that for someone like you, it might be something to consider how much do you have in debt, which you can share or not if you want to. No, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then how much your family is bringing in and how much more you need to bring in. Say you want to pay everything off in two years. How much more money do you need to be bringing in to actually make that happen? Oh, there's no way. I would That's probably not... have to look at like a six-year to ten-year plan. No I way, think. dude. No way, dude. No. Mm-mm. Couple years. <laughs> Few years. Okay, so if you're working with someone, obviously this is the this is the gulf, though, right? That someone's going to wonder mm-hmm. how you can help with. It's like anyone. I think, hopefully, I don't know. Maybe some people are so depressed they don't even get this far. But assuming that they're thinking straight, anyone can get to the point where it's like, if I want to pay these off, I need to make more money. Yeah. That seems like a bridge too far for a lot of folks. So how do you help people think through that process so that they can actually make that real in their lives? Yeah. So we're going to look at what is possible for them. So for some people, if you're licensed within the helping field, you you are l- lucky enough to have a lot of options. That's where you can look to make more money. It, it's a, it feels more risky because then we're talking about you know, private practice or group practice or those kinds of things. And and we have to work through, this is again, why people work with me to work through some of the confidence around that, because that can be hard and scary feeling. Um, so if you aren't licensed or if you're in a different field or whatever the case is, we can look at, okay, are there jobs that you can make, that you can take that where you're going to make more money or, and here's why we need that step one motivating factor. How are we going to get more work? So maybe we're working two jobs. Maybe we're working three. Most of us in the helping fields have done it. <laughs> it sucks, but that's. Right. But then we're going to look at that. So okay, then if we can't get any more money based on where you're at right now, um, at all, it's not possible. Then we're going to go get another job. We're going to get more ways of making sure. income so that we can make your shovel a little bit bigger for the hole that you're in. Because you need to do that if. If your loans are truly, you know, astronomically larger than what you're making. So that's then we're going to start looking at that. Okay. Well, so let's say someone's working as a as a uh, let's go with something uh, uh, like a social worker. Right. Yep. They're licensed and they're working with, I don't know, folks on the street or something along those lines. And Mm -hmm. the nonprofit they're at or even if it's a a city agency has a limited budget, they don't think they're going to get a raise anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. do you think 
what what are the options for them both as far as getting a different kind of job or getting secondary income? What 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 are what are some of the things you can help them think through to think about that? Sure. I mean, I'm always my opinion is always going to kind of be like maybe we need to leave the nonprofit world for a little while because it's going to be sure. really hard to you can return to it when you're coming from a place of abundance. Cool. That's amazing. But like it's hard. It's hard to get any sort of salary at a nonprofit that's that's worth having. Um, if you're really, really invested in wanting to stay at a nonprofit and not go work for, you know, a place where you could do really well, like doing city work or hospital work or private practice, again, if you're licensed, like there's a lot, you can start a private practice perhaps while you're still working at the nonprofit and take on clients, not using insurance, you know, take on five, 10 clients a week. And that's a massive extra amount of money that you can be making. So those are all things to look at is where can we take some initiative to um, to start to build your income. And there are lots of ways to do it. And it doesn't have to be though. I mean, that's those are the ways where we're going to get the most bang for your buck. But man, if you want to like go work at the, you know, cafe down the street every morning or something, that's totally, that's cool too. I mean, you know, when it's not COVID, but, um, right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) When cafes are real, but that's all, that's all stuff too. It's, it's just like, what kind of timeline are we building here and how much do we really need to be making? So uh, obviously income is one part of the puzzle, but Huge. my guess my guess is that it's not the only thing. What else are you helping people with right, right, right. Um, that's going to help them maybe make a bigger impact on their on their loan stuff? Yeah, dude. So if we're on PSLF, PSLF we're going to get off PSLF <laughs> and we're going to start the um, repayment process, making it better for you. So one of the huge things is refinancing. Um, When you're on PSLF, your loans need to be a certain way um, in order to be eligible, which many people are not, and then they just don't, you know, get it, they don't qualify. but you can we can take a look at what refinancing would mean to get you a lower interest rate so that we can bring down we can put much more towards the principal so that's huge um we're going to have to get off pslf to do that which might mean you know we have to deal with some of the fear and anxiety around that of like oh we're actually leaving the program and you're going to pay this off um which is its own its own mental work right sure yeah we're going to take a look at where you have savings and extra money and we're going to work through how much of that you want to throw at it i threw almost all of the savings that we had at my student loan debt um i think we kept a thousand dollars the whole time just in case life imploded um which is there's other programs that recommend that but that's so we went down to that so we could again take a chunk out of the principal which was huge so how much savings do you feel comfortable throwing at it? And how do we want to do that? And then having a strict bu- uh, monthly budget is huge. Do you do you budget monthly, Liam? I know the answer to no, this question. Nope, not even a little <laughs> bit. have never done it, ever. <laughs> so. <laughs> I've, I, like, I haven't even tried like one of those apps that does it for you. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I haven't done anything Those like are that. super helpful, right? That you get like a you need a budget app or whatever. But getting a strict monthly budget so you're very real about where all your money is going to every month. And you can look at and plan for, okay, here's where all of my money is going. Here's exactly how much I'm going to have left over and you're pretty much going to use all of that extra money for your 
for your debt. <laughs> so like, there's not a lot of sure. there's not a lot of fun happening, but there's not a lot of fun happening now anyway. Nobody can do anything, so now's a really good time to do this because you can't that, do anything or go anywhere. <laughs> that's a really that's a really good point. I think that kind of um, austerity, right, in your personal life can feel totally depressing. And I think that's why a lot of people probably avoid this. But if there was ever a time to do it, I don't know how other people feel. But for me, right now, uh, I actually feel, despite the fact that our income is less mm -hmm. and we have had some extraordinary expenses as of late, right. I actually feel like financially we're doing a little bit better because there's less opportunity for us to waste money. Other That's than right. ordering food, which we'd probably do a little too much. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't haven't really spent the kind of money I would if I was like engaging other humans in public right <laughs> so no, totally. so now is probably a great time at least for people to start this process yes. uh, and think through it well and so much about this too is about intention intentionality and discipline and accountability so being able to be um really like you said with the spending money on eating out well if you're if you're budgeting the way that like i would encourage you to be budgeting or working with you to be budgeting maybe you've designated okay we're going to spend 50 bucks a month on eating out and then when that's gone we're not spending any more of that that's it that's all we have that's the end of it and being really you know keeping to that be honoring that so that you do have the money that you need to be constantly like working towards your goal and accountability is huge too to be able then you're going to come tell me about it and I'm going to be like Liam why why are you buying these things that you don't need which I I, I <laughs> never want to have that conversation with you but uh, I do appreciate that I, I you know I think what's important and I want to make sure we highlight it here is that what you're describing mm -hmm. right is not really um um uh some sort of like miracle easy it's kind of like i don't know about other people i'm i'm a i'm a, uh, a a person who is large and therefore instagram knows this through whatever algorithm they have for fat people and so they send me constantly weight related advertisements all the advertisements mm -hmm. i get are either weight related or they're about something i looked for on amazon mm -hmm. so uh, uh i get a lot of diet and exercise plans right. and the thing that I always know is if it looks hard, it's probably real. And the ones that are like, yeah, just do this for like 10 minutes. You'll be fine. You'll lose a million pounds in a week. You're like, <laughs> I know that that's not real. I know that whatever you're doing right. isn't going to work. But the ones that are like, yeah, if you uh, basically kill yourself doing these crazy calisthenics for uh, uh, an hour a day for this many months, you might lose some weight. I'm like, well, that's probably true. You know what I mean? Like, I, it doesn't mean I want to do it it's not immediately appealing but i get it that that's a real thing and so i think it's important for you to highlight like the process that you went through that now you're trying to help other people go through that wasn't easy right it wasn't like a, oh yeah sure i did it and it was so easy and whatever you you really uh exercise discipline and self-restraint for a number of years no, yes four years and four months um Whew. Yeah, but it was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So right, it was a lot of money. It was, uh, yeah, it was incredibly, incredibly hard. And that's where I keep going back to. I know the number one thing sounds really corny of like start with your why, right? Like, but you have to if you don't have a really, really important reason for why you're doing this, you're not going to go through the whole thing because it's too hard. Right. It's just right, one hundred percent. So it has to be like that. Th this this needs to have a very, very strong 
foundation in order to do it. So that's, I, you know, I think I would say that to people right off the bat is like, don't, don't call me unless you like really want to do it. (laughs) Cause I don't want to fuck people where it's just like, Oh, we started and now you're in the middle of it and you don't feel like doing it anymore. And now what, you know, you, you want to really be wanting to do this from start to finish. Um, and I think the accountability piece is huge for that. That was something that I, I didn't have like an, you know, somebody so I just talked to my friends about it all. Like my friends were so tired of hearing about what I was doing because it was just, I needed to constantly be telling people like, this is where I'm at and I'm still doing it. And I'm still, you know, and like it's still going on and yay, everyone like, please make sure I'm still doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, um, it is, because it is so hard. It's very hard to maintain that level of discipline for that amount of time. I think this is probably one of the more intimidating aspects is this idea of accountability. And there's two things I kind of want to ask you about. One is, what's the difference between healthy and unhealthy accountability? And two, what are steps to help people have that? Like, I think, you know, money is one of the things that we are trained and conditioned not to talk to people about. We don't tell people about how much we make. We don't tell people about how much we have. We don't tell people about how in debt we are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, And so, you know, it's... It's one of those things uh, I saw uh, recently on on your on your uh, least favorite social media platform. Uh, <laughs> a, a loan officer talking about one of the things that people don't know is how many of their neighbors are in debt. Yeah. That in a majority of upper middle class neighborhoods, people are drowning in debt yeah. in order to look like they have money. Yeah. And I think the way that system maintains itself is because we don't <laughs> talk about it. So I think these are two things to sort of address is like, how do we know when accountability is good and how do we know when accountability is toxic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do we get over that barrier of like, I don't want to tell people about my money or what I'm doing? Yeah. Well, my friend. So this is where I like put on my little therapeutic hat, right? Oh, I like because, that. I like that. <laughs> because all of all of my my therapy practice foundation is based on the research that shame is not a good motivator for change, which is true. Um, as, as much as American society would want you to believe that you can just shame yourself into being the best version of yourself... Uh, that's not a thing that happens. (laughs) That is not sustainable and doesn't work. So the kind of accountability that is useful is a gentle and self-compassionate and deliberate approach to being open and honest and just being like, hey, this is where I am. We don't need to assign this is good or this is bad or this is anything. This just is what it is. And we need to take steps to try to make it the best possible situation. And right now it's a challenging situation. So we're going to work with ourselves every day to, to, you know, do what we need to do to make that happen. But we're never going to do that from a place of, of shame or self-flagellation because that is not useful. Um, and we're all in good company here. Like you said, like this is, I don't, I don't, that's, that's the beauty of this and starting this whole thing, especially for helping professionals is I didn't, I don't know anyone that isn't in debt. I don't know anyone that hasn't spent a ton of money on their schooling and who, you know, it's just, this is how people do it. So, you know, we don't need to like get all 
crappy about ourselves for we can just be like this is this is like the bill of goods that we've been sold and now we're going to write a different story about it and we need to be talking about our money it's so important it's so important to just put that out there because it's such a problem it's a problem for for income disparity it's a problem for people not being valued for what they're worth and not feeling like they can ask for more because they don't have the information and the knowledge to be able to do it it's 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 massive and so i think that that's and that's where you know there's a lot of work to be done too of um and this this is so a part of working with me because i am a therapist i mean this isn't just about here's my step-by-step modular program um it's also what's what's going on under there how is this feeling for you how can we work through it the fear stuff that comes up the shame stuff that comes up the confidence stuff that comes up all that stuff is part of it because we have to be able to navigate that to do this successfully well i can't help but think about how many people i know who are working in something like a helping field and feel almost allergic to making money yeah that that if they if they do get a serious salary that must mean whatever they're doing is bad and that the mark (laughs) of the work being good right. is that the pay is low because there aren't resources there to actually help people. Right. Uh, and, and, and that's probably particular to certain fields, right? People right. who are doing direct uh, social work or any other kind of like social justice sort of stuff are probably going to have more of that than some people who are maybe working in therapy or certain kinds of education. But I don't think it's just to the most uh, activist fields, mm-hmm. I think everyone who is inclined towards helping others feels a little weird about getting a paycheck that is substantial. <laughs> that is actually, a, and, and so how do you help people work through that personally and uh, just as a way of understanding the world? Well, I think when you've been doing it for long enough, now, now most of the people I know are 20 plus years into our careers. And what a lot of us have found is the, the truth is we are not going to be sustainable as helpers if we are not able to take care of ourselves in some capacity. And financially sure. is one of those things because that's going to pay for us to stay healthy and allow us to have the time we need to actually take care of ourselves. So that's huge. Um, I think we need to flip the thing on its head. I think we need to start from... Can we put the money, and and this is the episode I did with Tiffany McLean, we talked about this, if the money's in the right hands, if the money is with the people that are actually investing in their communities and in services that are helping people, and we're operating first from a place of abundance, how much better is that? Like, How much better work are we going to be able to do to to go into our communities after we've, okay, like now I'm in a position where I can be wildly generous. I, I can sustain for myself as an individual just to, you know, I, I can have a private practice and I can see between 15 and 20 people a week because that's, that's what I've set up for myself. Excellent. That means I have extra time and resources to commit to starting and looking at other things, including being able to be generous with whatever I think is important, you know, and, and, and putting myself in a place of, um, of uh, service but from a place not where I'm exhausted and burnt out, from a, from a place of abundance. And I think that if we think about it that way and we get to that place of security and abundance for ourselves first and then look at where we can be helpful, we're going to have much more sustainable careers where we can do much better help and much more help because we're operating from a place of health. 
I think that idea of operating from a place of health is is pretty important, and I, I I just think it's hard. I mean, it's it's worth folks keeping in mind too that um, sometimes the money that you're getting paid, it's not just that it's not a lot of money. It, it wasn't a lot of money like 20 years ago. Like, right. like people don't really think about like how. <laughs> Uh, wages haven't gone up, so like whatever it is you're getting is probably not okay. Uh, but, anyways, I, 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 okay. So you get, let's say you get someone to the point where they're doing the plan, they're on the mm-hmm. plan. What's sort of the last step? Like, where do what what do you want people to be thinking about as yep. they're trying to go through this process? So the last piece is really just we want to have a really clear plan for what happens for them when they finish. So that's going to be what what is your career aspiration here? Maybe they're going to start that private practice when they finish, or maybe they've already started it and their career aspiration is to, um, you know, be wildly generous in some way or start some kind of side hustle or really focus on like the community that they wanted to work with but didn't have the ability to before, whatever it is. So having a plan for what their career aspiration is for when they finish and what their personal life aspiration is for when they finish. So when we finish with this, what is going to happen for you? What are you going to be able to do? You know, like two years ago when I was doing this, Liam, I never would have been able to say, oh, my, my good friend Liam lives out near Chicago now. I'm going to go see him for a week, you know, next year when the Van Gogh exhibit is there, if COVID isn't a th- you know, a lot of contingencies, a lot of contingencies. I know, I know. But just as an example, that would never, I would never have been able to do that because I didn't have any of the resources. I couldn't take the time off. I couldn't, you know, whatever. Now I can be like, okay, a huge piece of what I want for my life now that this is over is to be able to prioritize spending time with people that I care about, even though they're sprinkled all over the place and take sure. the time I want to, to, to invest in my personal relationships and have fun and, you know, um, socialize. In my, I mean, I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but I didn't have a social life for a really long time as a helping professional. So, you know, that would be one of the huge selling points for me. Maybe for some people, it's having more time to be with their family at night and working, you know, six hour days instead of 12 hour days. Maybe for some people, it's um, being able to buy some thing that they've really wanted for themselves for a really, really long time, but have never dreamed that that would be possible for them. You know, whatever. It It's it's creating that vision for yourself so that you have that at the end to look forward to. Like, oh, look, here's the before and after, and my life actually is different, and it is better as a result of this. This isn't just some arbitrary thing that I did. I share all my... Dana, what do you think... (laughs) For people who are listening to this, and maybe they're, uh, you know, they're just trying to take that first step. You know, they want to do something today... Uh, you know, and obviously one thing to do would just be to get in contact with you and, and, and work with you as, as someone coaching them through this process with their debt. Right, but right, let's right. even look beyond that and say, what, what are some steps that helpers in general can take to maybe feel a little bit better about the work they're doing to get a little more satisfaction? Because I think even if for some magical reason you're out there in the helping field and you aren't dying under a pile of debt you probably are though feeling burnt out or feeling frustrated you know what i mean like the 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 um the exhaustion is it feels to me at least pretty universal and there's probably things people can do to start addressing some of those conditions now (laughs) 
I don't know if I'm the person you want to ask about this because my answer is always like, yeah, so get out. <laughs> sure. Get out. I mean, that's f- but that's I, fine. I mean, it's your podcast. Yeah. If that's what you want to say, I don't think you should feel bad about saying I don't. I just don't. Any of the things that are like, take self-care, you know, take a personal day, take a bubble bath, call a friend. Like, no, like, fuck you guys. If my life is under a pile of ruin and I feel like I'm drowning every day, that is not going to be useful. I don't care. You know, here's a ham for your Christmas gift. I got that one year from a nonprofit as a Christmas gift. And I was like, what What do you want me to do with a ham? Like, no, give me money or time off, but whatever. Um, I digress. The point is, <laughs> I, I think that if you're working somewhere and you are feeling that burnout, feeling that those physical effects, those mental effects, those emotional effects, I think you should really consider listening to your gut and taking drastic measures because it, it's not, you're not lying to yourself. I think those things come up not because we have problems doing the hard work, but because the hard work is too hard for most humans to sustain over long periods of time. These kinds of jobs are not built for people to do for 20 and 30 and 40 years. They're built for young professionals to get in, burn themselves out, and get out in two to three years. That's the reality of what the system is like. So if you are feeling that way, get yourself out. (laughs) And take a look at, okay, what do I need to do? I wanna help people for the rest of my career, and that's the next 50 years, you know, I plan to be doing this. So if I plan to be doing this for 50 years, I'd better be in a really healthy position. So what do I need to do to make myself healthy first? And then we'll take a look at how I want to help and make those choices really intentionally. That's, that's what I would say. (laughs) Hmm. Do you think there's things that people can do, um, to sort of affect those conditions on a larger scale? Like, is there something that, that people can do to advocate for things being different than how they are? Or is it really just, you know, Uh, figure your stuff out first and then you can think about that later yeah I mean you can try I tried (laughs) I I banged my head against the wall for years you know dying on this hill I mean sure go ahead and try and and again maybe that's something you know my this podcast is in some ways my contribution to trying to change that to trying to get helpers to think differently about this so that we can be taken care of the way that we need to be. So there's there's lots of different ways to think about changing it. But right now, um, the systems are pretty difficult to move. You know, right. like that's the way that it's set up is that people are expendable. So if you start making noise, they're just going to get rid of you and bring in someone young and idealistic who thinks it's the greatest. And that's just how it how it goes um so yes don't give up trying don't give up trying to like make things better but you know when you're in the middle of this burnout might not be the time to really try that that again might be something that people want to do from a place of security and peace and abundance which is later down the line than right now (laughs) So we finished season one, yeah. right? 
we're planning to do a second season. Yay! What are your like hopes and dreams and plans <laughs> for season two? What, what what can you say to get people excited for what's coming next? Yeah. So I mean, I, one thing for season two for sure, I'm super interested again in focusing on people that have done really interesting things with their creative outlets. So people that have been able to create. Um, to create a whole lot, you know, like Josh Alvarez talked about with, with his, with his work with music, but all of that while, um, while being a helper, I just think that's, that's something that so many of us are missing. So I'm really excited to hear more about that. I'm super excited to, um, talk to people that have just been really brave about maybe creating or initiating new projects or businesses out of nothing that have been really interesting. Certainly like, um, women and people of color, but all, you know, any, anybody who, who is, who's gone out on a limb to, to make those things happen from a place of courage and, um, and risk, I think is really exciting. Um, and I'm also, uh, excited to talk to some people that are on the other side that have like, again, like we talked about in the beginning that have really felt the pain points that can really speak to that. So people who have, been through the real hell of it and can speak to what that is and and how what that damage can look like and are now on the other side and you know are are thinking about helping in a different way but those are some of the some of the things and then just continuing you know i think what we've been doing is super cool i i love the people i got to talk to this this season and um yeah. So if people, I mean, too, if people want to be on the show and think they have something really cool to offer, don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Like I would sure. I'm super excited to hear from, from anybody that might be interested in, in, um, contributing in some kind of way. I love to hear people's stories. So absolutely shoot me an email. Well, um, Dana, if people want to do that and connect with you, how can they find you outside of this show? Yes, Liam. So my website about uh, about all this that is not uh, scam related is uh, <laughs> com. So you can look at that in the show notes because I know no, nobody can spell my name. So it's fine. It's cool. Um, and you can email at uh, Dana at com. Um, you can check us out on Instagram. We're at Help for the Helpers podcast, and that'll just keep you up on like who's been on the show, and you can see, you know, what that looks like, um, and if there's people maybe you missed hearing that you're interested in checking out their stories, that's another place to do it. And I have a Facebook page, um, Help for the Helpers, with Dana Bellatier too, that you can come follow me there. Well, thanks to everyone who's listened to this season. I hope you've really enjoyed it. And please give us your feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, feel free to go over to cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X.com. Check out some of the other shows there. Uh, and we really want to uh, especially thank anyone who told a friend about the show, who let someone know how important the show was to you, uh, how it was helpful. Um, and you know that, that feedback of letting us know about the ways that these conversations have impacted your work. Uh, have impacted your life and have helped you with some of the decisions you have to make um, is really valuable to us. So please get in touch. If we get enough feedback, I'd love for us to do a feedback episode uh, where Dana's answering questions and responding to people and, you know, just just doing the thing. So uh, with all that said, hey, Dana, happy first season. Looking forward to season two. Thank you, 
Liam. Thanks for helping. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. And that's our show. And that's our first season. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Thank you, Liam, for doing an awesome job of putting this all together and doing all the technological things that I completely don't understand. Thank you, Rocco, for the music, as always. And thank all of you guys that have been listening and, um, and certainly the people that have contributed this season. This was really fun and interesting to make, and I am very excited to see what comes out of next season. So stay tuned. Bye.